you know like i never think about what they think about me i don't internalize their own i don't internalize something that doesn't belong to me you know what i mean and i i, I mean i i've done that before i've done that a, 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 for a, a pretty significant part of my life i'm done with that that's that's not happening no more what's up y'all you're listening to thorn on my side and i'm your host asa featherstone the fourth we're at episode eight, y'all. Can you believe it? I mean, it's not really a milestone, but it's kind of a big deal. Today, I'm joined by Michael Kopaj, uh, an artist here in Cincinnati who I highly respect. The things that he's producing are, in his words, more social work than artwork, which we get into a little bit in the conversation. A lot of the work that he creates aims to hold a mirror up to our society. Uh, and we know each other pretty well, so we cover a lot in this episode. And so I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing this conversation. Uh, I typically don't do this, but uh, actually, if you can, I encourage you to actually go to his website right now at michaelkopage.com and just look at his work because it's really powerful um, and it's kind of mysterious. But we actually talk, he has a really compelling story about the origins of a really powerful project that involves imagery of monkeys. But I won't say too much. (laughs) So let's just jump right in. Uh, So I hope y'all are having a good day. And whatever it is that you're doing, I hope that listening to this makes it a little bit better. I appreciate y'all. Okay. All right, first question, man. Give me a, uh, you got any family recipes, secret recipes, man? What you got? Secret recipes. Yeah, for family. Well, so so the, <laughs> so the so the women in my family guard those recipes closely, and occasionally, you know, they try to change them, and I always, and not just me, but the family gives them a hard time. Like, no, nah, you can't make this your own. You got to make this the the way that we all know have known and experienced it, right? Right. But but personally, uh, you know, I have a recipe uh, for a pumpkin pie cake right okay cake and a pumpkin pie cake so it's a pie and a cake and my great-grandmother fanny hand wrote this recipe right and i don't have any pictures of my great-grandma but i have this handwritten recipe that she had that she has and i don't know how i got it um but somehow it ended up in my possession and uh and i tried to make it one time you know because i'm I'm one of those people that like i know it's not gonna taste how it's supposed to taste so i don't even want to embarrass myself away from <laughs> my time. he looked down on me like baby you messed up that's right. not right you know <laughs> and so like so the first time i made it well the only time i made it i made it upside down oh wow so, okay so the cake is supposed to be on the bottom and the pie is supposed to be on the top but i put the pie on the bottom and the cake on the top and so like it didn't one it didn't look like it was supposed to look and two it just it didn't taste like grandma fanny's you know what i mean so (laughs) so that's the secret recipe you know i never heard anybody talk about that i've never seen any family gatherings that i've been to have that as an option you know i think it's something like really unique to to my family you know what i mean i've i've never heard um like we do we don't even really do pumpkin pie. We just do a uh, sweet potato pie. So we eat yeah. that. But it's like, it's always in pie form. So when you said cake, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, it's different. I would like to. Well, we don't eat, we don't eat 
pumpkin pie either. Like, I always thought that that was like, I thought that white families ate the pumpkin pies and we <laughs> ate the sweet potato pies, you know? And, right. and so, like, and so we have sweet potato pie, but this pumpkin pie cake was like one of those, like, things that she, like, kind of secretly mastered and she would pull it out and she wouldn't, she wouldn't tell us it was pumpkin pie cake because we're so used to sweet potato pie. You know, mm-hmm. once somebody, you know, like sometimes in our community, you tell somebody what it is and they're like, oh, no, I don't eat that. When, when in actuality, if you didn't know what it was, you would have ate it. You know what I'm saying? So like, so she whipped it out. We ate it, of course. And then after we were like, oh, this is good. And we smashed one. She's like, oh, it's pumpkin pie cake. And, and now we can't say, oh, we don't like pumpkin. Right, so, right. So you got trapped. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> No, I said, um, real quick though, you, you have the written recipe still and you know where it Hand is. Handwritten, wow. cursive writing on a piece of, on a piece of notebook paper folded up in an envelope. I wouldn't yeah, even man. know. I wouldn't Actually, even know. it's written in pencil, bro. And, and, wow. and, and graphite, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dang. So that thing's so, probably faded and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's like, you know, it's like one of those things that you, you try to protect like your birth certificate. You know right. how you got your birth certificate stashed in like this space so it don't get damaged and you don't lose it. You know, it's, it's in that same place. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I think that, um, man, that, that reminds me like of like a recent story. You, did you hear about that dude that, uh, that lost his password to his Bitcoin? That was going on like this no. happened like yeah so apparently this guy uh it, this happened like last week so i think um he had like 220 million dollars worth of bitcoin stashed in some like virtual safe but he <laughs> forgot his password for it and so like i guess you get 10 attempts i guess it, he wrote the password down like it was written similar to your uh your grandma's recipe but he lost the paper and so you get eight attempts you get 10 attempts to type in your password he typed his wrong eight times so he has two attempts left and if he doesn't get it right then the money's gone forever and so it's been like this like big story where like because only he has access to it but he doesn't know how to get in so he's like oh. freaking out and he's he's only got two See? chances left <laughs> ah bro with that kind of money with that kind of money i would have got that password tattooed on me bro that's what like, i'm saying so many people were saying that yeah just like ink it on you it's worth it yeah You're gonna get that nobody bro. would know what the hell it is you exactly. know what i mean and you could you could put it in some design or something with numbers and 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 decode it yourself but like if he loses it i mean yeah. That's a bad look. I don't That's know. A bad... I'm a, I, it's 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 pretty dramatic. Like I've been following a lot on Twitter. It's been a lot of lot of back and forth. We'll see what happens with it. But best of luck to that dude. Uh, I wonder if it's all just hype, and then on the tenth attempt, he'll get it. He'll get. Yeah, he's, he just yeah. wants the story. <laughs> yeah, he just wants some attention, man. It's 2021. You know? Right. Seriously, man. Um. <laughs> anyway, you're an artist, man. You've been making work for what most of your life, like. Is that right? Yeah, I've been. I probably have been making work since I was in third grade. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, third grade. I remember. I remember. Like, you know, I used to have this classmate, and he used to draw, right? And we used to draw like cars and airplanes and, and ninjas. I don't know why how ninjas creeped in there, but like I would go home and like we would have these like drawing battles. You know what I mean? We would go home and we would we would draw like ninjas or whatever we chose to draw and we would come back and the class would would judge who who had the best one you know that's cool and and like 
from there, like, I just, you know, I remember like, I, like feeling like, you know, like this was like the most fun thing that I've ever done. You know what I mean? It just, it just came to me so naturally. Right. And then as I got older, I was on punishment a lot because like, I, I, you know, man, my, in my household, if you brought a D home, it was, it was two weeks of punishment for each D. Right. Mm. And then you four Ds. I oh, mean, that's yeah, the over. market period. Right. So like, so like I didn't really put a lot of effort into school, but I always put a lot of effort into art. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and and so because I was on punishment for so long, all I would do, I mean, that, and punishment when I was growing up, man, you ain't have no TV. You had a radio, but you had to stay in your room. You couldn't come out your room unless it was dinner time or mm. like like you, you had to use the bathroom or something. It was like legit jail for real. Basically, yeah, jail. <laughs> but, but like, but like, you know, I did a lot of writing. I started writing raps. I started, you know, I started getting into hip hop real heavy. I started, I, I kept drawing. I started, you know, like eventually, you know, when I was off punishment, I would go out, I would go out and I, you know, I'm from Chicago and like, it's interesting because like in Chicago, like in the neighborhood, it's always kids. We used to always be out there 40 deep, 50 deep. But as we got older, people start peeling off. Some people start gangbanging. Some people got into drugs. Some people just got focused on their future. And like, we all started seeing the, the past people start going down. And me, you know, I was like in this space where like, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna join a gang, but I couldn't be by myself. Like I couldn't be a neutron, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Cause then you more likely to be victimized or whatever. So like, so I took commercial art class and I didn't, I wasn't really popular until like my junior year. I wasn't even popular then, but like nobody messed with me once they, once they recognized that, oh, he, he that dude that draw, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, can you, can you draw me this kind of thing? And I'd be like, okay, you know, I could, I could do that. And I, and I did it in exchange for like my safety low key, you know what I mean? And, and so I decided that like, I was going to join like, like a hip hop crew. I mean, cause that's like a gang too, for real, but sure. it's like, nope. But it's dope because we we break dancing. The we did we we met up at this lighthouse and we would have break dancing practice three days a week. DJ practice. We would do MC battle practice. We would we would do it all. We had graffiti workshops. Then I would go out bombing, tunnel running, buses, trains, all that stuff like the stuff you see in the movies. And that was all like artistic. And I got that. I got to have that release. Plus, I got to have the the camaraderie and the the group and and it just kind of like it evolved you know like it evolved to like less graffiti less uh breaking and more like mc battles and then I, I was like i got so good that i started recording i traveled around europe doing shows you know what i mean i released like i released hella projects you know and like i like i like really like was in that scene. I had like a number one single in Europe in 2006. Oh, Dang, yeah, like, okay. Like, like I was like successful in that arena and, and it was all art to me. I mean, it was just, it didn't, even though it took a lot of work and stuff, it didn't feel like work. So then I moved to Ohio and when I moved to Ohio, 
I didn't have a real social network, so to speak. Um, and so all the music and all that stuff just kind of stopped abruptly. And, uh, you know, and I had been in school the whole time, undergrad, graduate school, you know, I got my degrees in, in, in art, but I was making music the whole time. You know, I did what I had to do for school, but I was making music. And, and so when I got here, I decided, you know, I invested this money in my education. I got to kind of live a little bit. I got to see a lot of stuff. You know, I had all of this experience. So let me just let me just focus on the visual side of things. You know, let me adjust my my lens, pivot and start making work that, you know, is meaningful to me. And so, you know, that's that's what I started doing, man. I mean, my whole life, I, my mom, she's a craft person. Um, she crafty as hell, bro. Like she'd be building decks and oh, I like that kind of crafty. Okay, she finished her basement floor with this crazy marble effect that's so slick. I was like, mm. damn, like, and so, like, like so artists, artists kind of running your family then, like, where you're, you're, what about no, just my before? mom. Oh, I, really? just my mom. My okay. dad was like a high school athlete, and you know what I mean, a, a sewing machine mechanic, and he DJed a little bit, so I think that's where I got the music part from. Okay. And uh, because he DJ when he was in the Air Force, but I, I got that that art piece from my mom and she and she's literally the only person in my family that's creative. You know, I got an uncle who's a, a, a like a published poet, but like, you know, my mom, seriously, man, she'll build a sculpture in a minute, like <laughs> she, like and just put it on her wall. Like she's like, oh, I got this idea. Like, look what I'm doing to the basement. And you go down to the, to the basement and she didn't build like studs you know like for walls and like you know what i mean straight diy queen and i'd be like i'd be like yo i don't have that that's not that's not in my skill set that's you a know whole that's I mean? a whole different world they're trying to you know like you a whole handyman bro <laughs> <laughs> exactly so so when what like so what what brought you actually to ohio my ex-girlfriend oh, uh, okay i was uh i was dating this chick for like seven years and uh and we lived together in philadelphia that's where i moved here from um and we both went to school out there and she came here to miami to get her doctorate in like uh clinical psychology with a, like focusing on ch children and so naturally you know i started working in that field too i mean we had these similar interests and and so we came out here but because i because she but school gives you like this automatic plug-in to like social oh, relationships yeah. and stuff like that. But I'm up in Miami. I went from like Philly, which we had the most diverse group of people you could imagine, you know, gathering every week um, for these impromptu freestyle sessions, you know, like, like doctors and drug dealers and strippers and like, you know, like, like Haitians and Greeks and Palestinians. And like, I mean, it was just so random, bro. Like it was like the, it was probably the best part. Some of the, some of the best freestyle cyphers I've ever been a part of. <laughs> right. you know what I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like it was like, it was like every Thursday was like church, bro. Like yeah. people would show up. It was a secret location. And like, like we would get the Holy Ghost up in there, bro. Like, yeah. like, you know, like when people in church, like they get the Holy Ghost, they just kind of, they, somebody else take the wheel and mm -hmm. they just kind of going and it would be like that every week, bro. And I was like, 
I mean, I was literally in heaven. It was like, it was so dope. It was so dope. So like I moved here from there and all that stopped like yeah. abruptly. And they flew me out. I did a show with like uh, uh, one of the guys from Diggable Planets and some other stuff, you know, and, and that was cool. We had a, you know, a cypher afterwards, but like, you know, I was so like disappointed, man. And I was so disconnected and I, and I kind of blamed her, I think, you know, mm. in hindsight, um, even though I came here voluntarily. And so like, it, it didn't work, you know, like a year after I came here, um, we separated, I moved from Miami to, uh, to Cincinnati, uh, to the West side. And I just kind of like, I just been, I've been here ever since, you know, I had a, I had a, a big boy gig, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I felt like I had, I had started some roots here in the city and I liked how small it was, you know, you could, you could get from point A to point B in 20 minutes, Yeah. you know, like in Chicago, if you wanted to see one of your friends, you would have to dedicate a whole day, you know, like, like if I'm catching a bus or a train or driving, it don't matter. Like if I come to see you, I gotta, I gotta spend the whole day. Right. I gotta, I gotta commit a whole day to do that. But here I could see four of my people in one day, Yeah, that's you true. know, and I can nurture more relationships. So I, I felt like I was getting more out of living here. You know, obviously you get more for your money. Mm -hmm. um, and when I got here, you know, there weren't as many, uh, there wasn't as, as much like texture and substance as there is now. Uh, but I'm glad that I got to, I got to see it kind of develop, you know? So, I, I mean, I really enjoy living here, man. Mm -hmm. I think Cincinnati's dope, you know? That's cool, man. Uh, I, th I think that um, that's a that's a very, like, unique... I don't even know... I don't even want to say it's unique, but it's a great perspective because from my perspective, when I was... Because I've been here for a while. Um, I went to school here and study here. And um, being in media, um, most of the people, media and arts, most of the folks were shipping out and they're, you know saying that this ain't the spot to be. Um, so they would go to LA, uh, New York, go yeah. to Chicago. Um, yeah. and so there's like a, yeah, there's a, there's a, um, there was like, a, there's like a narrative that goes on saying that this is kind of like a stepping stone spot where you go. And then if you want to really grow, then you go to these other spots. But I think, well, it, yeah. Well, I got a different perspective, right? So, like, I, a lot of local people that I know from here, like, everybody wants to leave Cincinnati. Like, <laughs> and the crazy thing is that a lot of people do leave, but they all come back. Yeah, you know what I've been I mean? seeing that too. Yeah, and 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 I I think that like, you know, what I like about Cincinnati, man, because I'm a, I'm an artist. Like, a lot of my friends are in New York. A lot of my friends are in Chicago. A lot of my friends are in L.A it's oversaturated. Everybody's friends with it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like living and working in Cincinnati, my brain is so clear. My ideas are so clean. I know that my ideas are my own and not something that I, that I kind of, that came to me through osmosis from looking at other people's work or other people's art, you know, like I, I just think that like, there's a space here for everyone who's a creative to do their thing without it being really a uh, competition for resources, without it really being a competition for exhibition spaces. Uh, you know, everybody's, everybody has room for their voice, you know, and no one, no one's drowning 
and like just the, the sheer amount of creatives all going for the same resources, you know? Mm -hmm. And I agree, Cincinnati is a stepping stone, but not it's not a place that you, you, you use and then go somewhere bigger, right? Like in order to, I feel like if, if, if you can't make it here, then you can't make it in New York. You know, that's a you, fact. You can't, you can't make it in LA. Why would you leave a place this small where you have the most opportunity to like run it? If There's whatever nobody, you do, no barriers. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, dude, if before I would before I would leave Cincinnati, and if I left Cincinnati, it would just be just to visit for real. It wouldn't be to move. But like, if before I would leave, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna know that like, like I'm at the top of my game. You know, like I, I've exhausted every exhibition space that I could show in. I've, I've met everyone who I could possibly know, and I've outgrown the tank that I'm swimming in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's, and I'm, a, I feel like I'm a long way away from that. You know, and even in a city this, this small. So before I, before I would leave and go to New York and start over and drown, you know, like, I mean, I mean. I'm not distracted by how what how I'm gonna make a living. You know what I mean? I'm not distracted by, you know, having to take a train for two hours to get to and from, you know, like going to those places you lose so much time, you know. Yeah. I mean here here time works different. Time is is a creative's friend here because you have so much more of it. So so I like, you know, I like New York. I've been in New York like a hundred times, bro. I, I be, you know, I go to these places. I exhibit in some of these places. I travel to some of these places, but like, I would never live there. You know, mm -hmm. I'm from Chicago, but I'm, I would never move back to Chicago, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's for me, I don't have a, I don't have any motivations or aspirations to, to be there. You know, I mean, my work, I want my work to be there, but I don't need to be there with my work. You know, like I'm cool. Like, right. And for what it's worth, too, you know, I've been I've been recently doing some work, some like environmental justice work. So I've been talking to like, you know, Better Bus Coalition and some people over um, uh, at City Hall. And yeah, I saw some um, of the video. Yeah, uh, and we were talking like, there's you know, climate change is legit too. In a lot of these places that are coastal. Um, they're not going, you know, they're not going to be able to sustain themselves for too, too, too much longer. And, you know, for what it's worth, there's an, there's going to be an emergence of folks moving, organizations moving to like the middle of the country. So, yeah. you know, why not be here before that starts? So you have all the, yeah. the connections and stuff. And then by the time that gets here, you can even be flourishing tenfold. So, yeah, I, I think that's interesting, man, because like, that's another reason why, like, I, you know, being in the Midwest, man, like, we, like where, where we live, we don't have to worry about natural disasters. We don't have to worry about, you know, like all of that erosion and the tsunami and the hurricane stuff, earthquakes. We don't have to worry about terrorist attacks for the most <laughs> part. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all that stuff happens and on the coast, you know, and, and so there's a there's an added buffer and an added layer of safety, you know, that we enjoy too. You know, yeah. like we're not on high alert all the time, you know, and and so I mean it's just it's just relaxed. And I mean I'm excuse me I'm just like super I feel like I'm super chill and I don't panic about things and I need 
even though I'm from a, a big city, you know, I don't, I don't have a, like a, there's not a big rush for me to, to get everywhere and do everything. You know, I like just taking my time and being deliberate in, in the, the steps I take. And so, you know, I just think this region is, it's easier to do that, to have to be that kind of person in this region. Yeah. And I think that that's where, like, I feel like people are starting, because I agree. And I feel like people are starting to kind of shift their thinking, at least I hope so. I mean, just from this past year, we're realizing that, um, like, slowing down and using your time differently is so important. And, like, you can't really do that when there's so many other things that are pulling or that take away from that time. Like, you're speaking about just, let's say you want to go, if you're an artist and you want to go to your studio, you may have, like, an hour, two hour, like, commute to get to that point. That's a crazy barrier that where you're just... And yeah. so in between that, you're, like, thinking about so many other things and you got to continue to go, go, go. But I think that... Um, you know, now that we are, we have been forced for about a year now, forced to like slow down a little bit, even though people are still kind of going, we've been forced to kind of keep things um, smooth and mellow and just like pause for a minute and really think about deliberately about the decisions we're making, the lives that we're trying to live. And this is a place where you can do that because there's not a ton yeah. that's like, that's required of you in order to like be successful and live, live a good life here. So. I agree. I agree, man. I agree. And, and like, depending on where you live, I mean, there's some places that are like super heavy family oriented, right? And like neighborhoods. And then there's some that are like jumping and popping and trendy and, you know, and then you got the, the bar scene, you know, and you got the, the restaurant scene and like, I mean, every, every scene that you can find in any city, uh, in the country, I mean, you can find here, and it might not be as um, as elaborate or or um, as visible per se, but like it exists, you know. And I think that the people that live here are the ones that are developing it, so that when you know the the great migration happens to the middle <laughs> of the country, you know, we have the infrastructure to like really like make it pop and 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 be a destination. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, just tell me, like, give me like your your I don't even want to call it your mission statement, but just tell me about what is it that you're making? What is your art? What is it about? I think my work, um, I've, I've, I've really been focused on like making some of these internal, deep rooted, uh, unconscious, racist views um, conscious like i've been i've been i've been prompting people and trying to pull them out of people making them aiding them in their own self-awareness so to speak and that's black people white people asian people it's all people right we all have the racist views um and biased views you know i use those words interchangeably for the for the work that i make because you know um i i, I realize that there is a a, a, a distinction uh between them, um, but I use them entertain interchangeably, um, and so like I just try to I try to create images where people project themselves, their thoughts and their own bias onto the work, and you know they have internal conversation, you know, and and you know <clears throat> do they see themselves as a perpetrator? Do they see themselves 
as a victim? Do, what, what do they feel when they see the story? What does this remind them of? What personal experiences do they have that connect to it? What have they heard, seen, or learned that like is present in this work? And I have a lot of conversations around those things uh, when it comes to my, my artwork. Um, you know, I think, it's a, I think it's a bit provocative, you know, intentionally um not in a sexual way but just you know and in, in the way that uh i depict people but but i i i, I think for me man it's social work bro i mean that's it's 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 not even social justice it's social work you know um i'm 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 working with people uh who aren't at the right stage of change right uh or even willing to accept that you know their contributions to our the fabric of our country might be questionable you know and that you know we might want to do things a little differently so um so to me it's, it's therapeutic for me because i don't internalize all of this kind of you know bullshit that i endure um and I get to create a visual that that's kind of external from myself so I can look at it objectively. And I think it's therapeutic for other people because they can connect with it and interface with it in so many different uh, in so many different aspects. So um, so it's 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 social work. I mean, that's the easy answer, you know. Did you always know that that was a, the type of content or the type of work that you wanted to, to produce? No, no man. You know? <clears throat> I never. I never made this kind of work until like 2018, you know what I mean? Like I never did a painting in my life until 2015, you know? Um, but like I stayed away from blackness in my, in my work because I didn't want to be labeled a black artist. I mean, I'm black, I'm an artist. So, you know, you know, that fact remains, but like, I didn't want to be put in that, that black artist box where, I couldn't be considered to uh, for any other opportunities uh, because my work was seen to be like this genre only. So, like it's interesting, uh, you brought up uh, your your film work with the environmental agencies and stuff because, like, for a long time, my artwork was about the. It's always been about contemporary America, but it was about the byproduct of American consumption, right, and how and how our carbon footprint you know impacts you know the world that we live in and so i used a lot of uh recyclable materials uh i did a residency out at the vermont studio center uh, and i did a project called tree skirts right and like basically i stitched these cardboard skirts around these trees and killed the grass underneath and they, i left them there for a month and when i pulled them up there were like these brown, like beautiful brown shapes with mushrooms and all kind of stuff. And it, and it was like, to me, it was like a metaphor for like the, the, um, the smog, right? Like we live under these big plumes of smog and, you know, it's blocking out the sun. And so we don't get the nutrients we need. Instead, we have these growths and these cancers and these illnesses and respiratory diseases. So like for a while, I was really hitting that environmental piece hard you know because i saw it i believed it you know um and it really was something i was passionate about and i and i still am right uh
and then uh, I switched from from that to uh, well, I shouldn't say switch, but it kind of just graduated you just, from that. You evolved to, into it, yeah. Yeah, to to mental health, right? And I talked about you know I, when I first moved to Cincinnati, I I started working for a mental health agency, and um, you know I got promoted after eleven months to a supervisor, and when I became a supervisor. I supervised like nine people or something and on there and, and I got what we call the intensive team, which is like the sickest people like the, 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 you know, these were the people that the police were shooting and, you know, for a while here in Cincinnati, you know, because they didn't know the difference between mental health and criminal behavior. But like, but you know, we like people with schizophrenia, people with, uh, bipolar disorder with psychotic symptoms you know i mean i would have you know the dudes who cut their tongue out and flush it down the toilet that type of thing you know what i mean mm. so yeah. so we had some really sick people but the but what i noticed was that like a lot of these people that we were serving looked like me bro like they were black you know but like but i don't mm. think that like I don't think that they got the same kind of treatment in the system that some of the, you know, not black people got, you know, I think that like a lot of the doctors at the time just threw medication at them and, you know, and I, and I thought to myself, I had a thought one day, I was like, man, you know, we're the same age, you know, I'm like, it, it had things been different, I, that could be me. And so I started yeah. feeling like, you, you, I, I started feeling like I needed to advocate for them, but I wasn't in a position to do it at the job. You know what I mean? I wasn't in a position to really, you know, say, you know, I think y'all treat these black dudes differently. You know what I mean? Like y'all calling the police on him, you know, when he coming in here, what, but when the white dude who came in here the same way last week, y'all, you know, brought him into your office and talk to them, you know, so I was, so I was seeing all, I was seeing this differential treatment that the case managers at the time were providing for, uh, to the clients who looked differently and the difference in the treatment that the doctors were providing, you know what I mean? So like, mm -hmm. so, so I started, I did a piece, uh, I did a series called um, Stigmatized, uh, the African-American male and schizophrenia and i produced like between 23 and 33 pieces something like that and they were all like soft pastel drawings on uh on heavyweight paper and what i did was because it's a hipaa violation to reproduce images of clients you're serving what i did was i took like like really pronounced features that stood out on each of the guys right so if one guy's the bridge of his nose was just just stood out to me you know i would use that part of his face but then i would create the rest and that show yeah. that show toured for uh two years and um and it and it was great you know it went to uh what two or three galleries and then it was the backdrop for the uh the National Alliance on Mental Illness's annual event here in Cincinnati at Xavier, the one one year, whatever year that was, and so like once I once I crossed over and my my work started blending because I mean I'm I'm doing social work right, 
my work, yeah. my work started blending with my art, which I had kept separate. Um, you know, I started moving closer and closer into the black sphere, right? Like, and like, I, I still didn't feel comfortable, you know, because I, I, I didn't know where to start, man. I had a, li- a lifetime of like stuff, you know, that yeah. like building that like is was buried and suppressed or some of it might have been dealt with and and i just didn't know how to tell the story so then like i was in asia one year okay pay attention because this is the work i was referencing at the beginning if you can look at his website it'd be cool for you to kind of see the work as he's talking about it uh the link to his website's in the show notes but also no worries if not you can always look at it afterwards okay i was in asia i met this dude um, you know, he was calling people like monkeys and it made me uncomfortable as hell. Uh, and then, um, one, one day we were at dinner and I asked him, you know, what that was about and how I felt about hearing it and how, you know, it was used to describe me, you know, uh, and, you know, why it was created and when it was created and so forth. And, and he told me that, like, you know, he uses it to describe people who are basically douchebags, right? Like mm-hmm. people who uh, can't, like, can't, like, fit or adjust to the harmony in the room. Like they have to be the center of attention. They have to talk to people bad. They have to cause a disruption. They have to, you know, they have to destroy the peace and the tranquility in the room just because of the nature of who they are, right? And, okay. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, you know, that doesn't make me feel better, but I can understand it through your cultural lens. I mean, we're in Malaysia. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. They don't sure. know nothing about, you know, niggas and and all of that shit. You know. What I'm right. So like, so I'm like, okay, that's cool. And like, and, and as he said it after that, I started understanding kind of what he meant you know like a dude after after that conversation the very next dude we ran into was like this dude who had a he had like this blue porsche it was brand new like whatever year that was it was like it had just come out and he looked at the guy i was with and he's like hey you see that car and the guy was like yeah that's a nice car he's like I, I, you know i think that's a nice car he's like yeah he's like that's my car and i got another one just like it at the house in a different color you know and, wow. and then he turns to me and he's like, monkey, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I, I started dying laughing. I could bro. tell that was coming. Yeah. I, was like, I started dying laughing, right? So he starts, so he's like, you know, he's like, I just dance around the monkey, you know, I don't, I don't let them stop me. And so I'm like, okay, I get it. It's cool. So the, so the next day we at the Singapore polo club, right? Like, yeah. like, so we go from, uh penang malaysia to singapore he follows me on the flight like he takes a a private plane or something you know okay and like when we get there he takes me to the singapore yacht club and he's like i'm a member and and he's the only asian in the place i'm the only black dude in the place and everybody else is white and up until this point i hadn't seen any white people on the whole trip you know what i mean but it was all up in the polo club bro all like 100 of them right Right. and they're out there on the field riding horses i don't even know the rules to polo so i don't know what the hell i'm looking yeah exactly i'm just watching a bunch of white people ride horses with sticks you know what i mean like and i'm like all right you know this cool i mean i feel 
I mean, you could definitely tell the air, the air smelled different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like, it was like a lot of, a lot of wealth in that space. And, and so we're drinking champagne and he turns around to me and he, and he looks at me and he's like, and loud as hell, bro. He was like, you should paint the white monkey. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I was like, oh, instantly the first four paintings popped in my head, like instantly, bro. Like my, I, I tapped into that, that lifetime of suppressed experiences, bro. And yeah. like, I had the imagery, but I felt bad. I felt bad. I was like, I was like, man, that's racist, you know? And I realized as a black person, I'm not sh quite sure that I can be racist, but I could, I could damn sure be prejudiced, right? So, so I was like, well, hold on, uh, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. Can you try and make that distinction for me? Well, to be, to be racist, you, you can only be racist with support of the institution, right, uh, mm. uh, of America. So, so when the laws and the rules and the system is set up you know to make sure that you have every advantage right you know then and you use that advantage to uh intentionally uh disadvantage other racial groups mm -hmm. then that's racism you know like in a in a nutshell for me right yeah now i could be i could say shit that's that we can all say is racist but like you know i don't have any institutional support for that claim you know, so Got let's it. just okay. let's just call it prejudice or bias, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, I use them interchangeably in my work because, you know, I don't want to spell that out every time. You know what sure. I mean? Sure. Yeah. But yeah. So so this dude. So so I I'm like, all right. I can only imagine. You know, since most of the the spaces that I show work in the art world in general is run by white people how the hell is this going to be received if i do this so i said all right i need to approach it like a like a scientist right like a like a hypothesis like i need for three i need to find three things to legitimize my use of the white monkey as a motif in my painting and so i was like all right you know black people have been called monkeys for forever we flipped that on his head now we use it to describe the people who created the the um the term okay that's one that's an easy one that's the racist part though you know what i mean that's the part that makes yeah. me uncomfortable so i'm like i'm like all right um well in asia right in asia when you when you go like i've been all over asia i've probably been in every country except like philippines and laos right and like uh, almost every monkey that you see on the street like in person is white they got mm. white fur they got pink faces it's like it's they aggressive as hell it's like they right. i seen a monkey bro i seen a monkey walk up to a little kid and hiss at him showed him a little two inch fang snatched the bag <laughs> off the little kid Dang. dump his shit out on the concrete in front of him <laughs> pick through it took what he want and walk off oh <laughs> Bro, like, and the robbed. parents stood there, the kids stood there. It was like Debo. It was like, it was oh like a Debo God. moment. You know what oh I mean? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, like, so, like, you know, they travel, they travel around, and they, like, 60 deep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 70 oh, yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you, 
it's like a gang. So if you like, if you like legit smack the shit out this little monkey and they made a call, like you could, you could be it's, it's killed, right. you know? Yeah. And plus, yeah. and plus a lot of those monkeys carry like, uh, like a certain, uh, strain of herpes that it's stuff, fatal yeah. to humans, right? It swells like your brain. If you get bit, it swells your brainstem and you done, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so like nobody's fucking around with these monkeys. Like it's, it's like crazy. No, and so, and so like, and so I'm like, okay, you know, the monkeys are white, the, uh, we flipping this term on his head. And then I thought about what he told me, like, it's a, it's a disruptor of harmony. Right. So, hmm. so every indigenous person in the world, right. What harmony was disrupted by white European, like conquerors, settlers, whatever, you know, the, the English, the French, the Spanish, the Portuguese, uh, you know, the Dutch, I mean, so different species of, of, of the same kinds of people were going to all of these places where natives live and completely disrupting uh, and usurping uh, their, their spaces and, and their places of civilization. So I was like, all right, bet I got, I got three things that like justify my use. And I started, I started painting and it was like, it was dope. Like it was like free. It was freedom. I, I got to deal with stuff that I never got to address. Like, you know how sometimes, like sometimes, man, we have this habit of like having these traumatic experiences or, or having these racist experiences and we just got to deal with them. It ain't really nobody to talk to about it. I mean, yeah. we can talk to each other, but you got your own, I got my own. Like, so right. like, so like I'm rep I'm repressing all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden this dude provided the idea for the use of a motif that would completely change the way that I approach my work from there on, you know. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm in this black sphere and it's like super comfortable. Like yeah. I'm, I've been before before George Floyd and before everybody was a ally and before all of these. Black people start saying Black Lives Matter, you know, like I was doing this, these paintings, I was doing this work, you know, like I, I, I you know, I didn't just join on a wave, you know, and yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people jumped in on a wave and that's fine. Like sometimes it take a wave for people to feel inspired and motivated and encouraged and, and, and all of the things that it is are required to really be vocal about what's really happening in our communities, you know, with our men, our women and our children. And so I just felt like that, that movement, that, that event, that, you know, it just opened up a lot of doors for the content that I was already producing. And I, it, there was just a warmer welcome. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, but two years prior to that, wasn't nobody. Nobody's thinking about know, it. No, yeah. and nobody and nobody was like really like messing with me and my work. It was too, it was too provocative. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm. And okay, I got a couple. I got a couple of things. Hold on, hold on. There's a there's one thing that I think that you brought up that was really that was really important to note. Um, and it sounds to me that this creating this art has become a form like a, a therapy for you. It's a form of release. Yeah, yeah. And I think that. Yeah. Um, which is so crucial and important because that's also one of the reasons why this kind of platform, where I felt compelled to kind of 
to, to, to start this. Because I think, to your point, we go through so many things that are just left unsaid. We ain't even really talking about your upbringing, about what kind of racist things you were dealing with in Chicago <laughs> and Philly and all over that. But right. those... Um, those uh, those instances build every single day, year to year, and we become hardened. And there's this big shell that gets put on on us, and it yeah. it, 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 it impacts our um, just the way that one we see ourselves, uh, we see ourselves in the world, um, and how we interact with everyone. And it and it changes your emotional state like long term. And without that, without that release, there's like you can you can lose your mind. Or lose your patience and become one of those stereotypes that they parade around on the news and in the media and wind up losing control of your life, man. Going, going to jail, getting into the, all the stuff that, you know, that we see the most of. Exactly. Yeah. And without that, that's why I like, I've been talking to my friends and um, like whatever it is that is good, like a release is so crucial because nobody's got our back besides like, us <laughs> if we get down to it you're talking about the systems being set up it's all against us you know like and so no one here is is, is here to kind of help walk us through or support and so like the, the fact that you are communicating your frustrations and releasing that through your art um which i think is essential and and talk to me about how how does it how does that feel now that you're able to kind of regularly do that yeah so man you know what it feels like it feels like putting on one of those uh, charcoal face masks, bro. <laughs> like you put it on and it like, and it like, it feel tight. You feel the pressure, yeah. you know? And then when you pull it off, all of that nasty shit that's inside you, inside your face mm -hmm. gets taken out, right? And then you show it to your friend, like look at this, <laughs> you know? And they're like, you know? Yeah. And, the, and the painting is the same way. Like I just, I, I pull that stuff from outside of this well that it's all packed in. Mm -hmm. And I show it to people to hopefully uh, foster a sense of empathy and compassion. You know, like, it's really interesting, man, because like, you know, the, the, the it's, it's part psychology, you know? Like, a lot of, I talk to a lot of white people about this work, right? Yeah. and. You know, when they look at the paintings, bro, they still identify with the monkey more than they do with the person that's in the painting, hmm. you know? And, wow, and, wow. And, and to me, what that says is that even though the, the white person in this painting is depicted as a monkey, they still see black people as less than that. Hmm. You know what I mean? And, and like, not all of them, you know, yeah. but a whole hell of a lot of them, you know, and and I think that, you know, these paintings are about black men, black people. They're not about the monkey. The monkey is the antagonist in this painting. Wow. And and for the for the for the sake of you know the painting, a compositional aid at best, mm -hmm. you know, but like. It's it's so weird how the eye is always focused on the monkey. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always focused on the monkey, and so so I so because that happens, they stand in front of the painting for a much longer time. Because you gotta, I gotta reconcile how I feel about 
you know, seeing myself as a baby cherub and a baby Jesus and a whoever else, you know, aristocrat in this painting from, you know, 1800s. And then here in 2020, I'm, I'm depicted as a monkey. Like, how do I feel about this? What is this? What is this artist trying to say about me? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just an opportunity. It creates like a virtual room like this one, you know, yeah. where like where like a conversation starts, mm-hmm. you know, and that can be internal. If I'm giving a lecture or something like that and the painting is in front of them, you know, then, you know, they can hear my words accompany the, the visual. But man, I f- I'm finding that these paintings in particular are generating a lot of conversation, man. A lot of like, a lot of good conversation, a lot of productive discourse, uh, and and prompting people to see uh, like how complicit they are in like what's happening in the in the picture plane, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I think it's great. I mean, you know, that's what that's what that's what the goal is. I mean, I mean, it's so it's it, this. So the painting is a form of self care for me. Right. But then, you know, where there used to be no audience to hear all of these things. Can you imagine if I tried to talk to a, a, a person who I did not know about the intentional destabilization of black people and, you know, the prison, the preschool to prison pipeline and, uh, growing up uh, and being uh, shot at and being targeted by the police and being all of these things that encompass black people in these urban areas in one conversation, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, I mean, I've heard, I, I've had people say to me like, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's uh, the neighborhood or maybe you can just move to a different neighborhood or maybe if you, heard that one. if you worked harder and you, got a new apartment or you know like it's that it's when you have a conversation like that it's it leaves too much room to to be minimized and kind of kind of uh disregarded i guess you know people get defensive because you get all emotional and all of this stuff but with the painting there is no emotion there is no inflection it's just the visual and so that person takes their own internal narrative into it and they and they and they start working with it and it's a beautiful thing because all of that all of those attempts i made as a younger person that led to frustration and anger and explosive anger and destruction of property and stuff like that are now being housed in these paintings uh and the conversation that i've always wanted to have now they pay me to come and have it (laughs) yeah you know what i'm saying yeah i I think that like Something that I yeah like I appreciate about what you're what what you're doing what you're saying is that like yeah with your your work you're just you're just holding a mirror and you're I think yeah. that's something so important is that you're challenging people to just ask more questions uh, and do more self reflection because we all got stuff we got it we can't keep pointing fingers and just saying oh you're not doing this or you can just move and get out of your situation. Like, no, what is what is messed up about that form of thinking? What is messed up about the fact that I identify more with um, a, a primate than I do a brother and sister here who's depicted in this painting? Why is that so challenging to me? And so I think that like that, I feel like is, we're in an era now where that is hopefully becoming more and more um, like normalized. It's just self reflection and shifting a perspective back on ourselves 
Um, yeah. and, and, but to that note, and you're saying that you've, you know, prior to, I guess, um, this past summer and things that were going on in 2020, um, you were, you were still making the work like years ago, but there hasn't been yes. as much, um, attention or reception there. And I want to get your right. take, like, uh, and now, now people are awakened or they just, they have their antennas up a little bit for for the time being at least and i just want to get your take on like how like what do you feel do you feel that it is it is authentic authenticated um because i you know i've been talking with a lot of other um artists as well just kind of chopping it up and we all in the past nine to eleven months have gotten um, a lot of recognition for the work that we've always been doing and um i me personally i'm a little cautious of how um, how long that will kind of sustain itself, or if it's really a shift in mindset and desire to kind of make this better. But I kind of just wanted to get your your perspective because now that you have people people are looking at your work now, even though you were making it before. What is what is like what what is I guess your relationship with um, the white audience to your to your work now? How, how do you see that transition happening? Um, well, I mean, I think actually it's like really well received by the white audience. I think the white audience, uh, by and large, uh, understand that I'm not, obviously this work isn't about, you know, my racist views, you know, this, this work is about, you know, um, ex black experiences that we have all heard about know about or, and are familiar with, you know, scenarios that black people find themselves in that, um, that we can connect to like things that are happening even to today. Right. Um, yeah. so I, I do think that, you know, we got some, some real allies out there who've always been allies before this moment, the same way we've always been making yeah, this work before this moment. Uh, but then there's a lot of, uh, performers out there too. You know, there, there are people who, um, and I, and I think, you know, you ever hear, uh, the imposter, uh, syndrome, right. Where people, yeah. people don't feel like they deserve what they're, what they have. And, and I, and, and I don't ever feel that, but I'm, I'm, I, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I feel like there's a lot of Im imposters out there, uh, with, with support. Right. And I think, I think part mm. of it is that they really don't know what to do. So it's like, surface level right but but like i have a uh i got a ted talk on the 27th of february and the, in my speech i i plan to like kind of outline you know small things like that people can do uh to be a better ally like you don't have to take a rubber bullet in the face or, or get maced or go protest or post black boxes or post black lives matter on your page and you don't have to do any of that you know to be a, to be a good ally uh what what we need to do is make some cultural shifts some cultural changes and by cultural i mean like american culture and so um so i you know i think i think that i want to kind of lay out a little bit of like how to do that but um in regards to you know being kind of cautious because now all of a sudden, you know, your name is ringing bells. Um, 
you know, I, I'm taking full advantage of it. You know, and I'm not going to hold sure. you like, okay, you want you want me on the news, you want me on the, on this magazine, you want me, um, you know, to to talk to a classroom, uh, you want whatever it is, whatever it is, like I'm on it because at the end of the day, uh, if you know when the wave crashes, right? Yeah. Um, I still. I still want to be able to stay afloat, you know, so I take the opportunities that make sense for me, uh, regardless of how I might um, feel about the the person who's offering intentions. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with some institutions here recently uh, where I've been extremely vocal about how I didn't I don't feel like they're an ally, you know, and how I don't feel like, you know, I feel like they're asking me to do stuff for free right but but they're not offering me anything in return like they're basically using me because we're in a moment and they're propping me up to raise funds and they're you know and and i and i don't have any problem you know having those conversations you know confrontation is something that we do very well you know and confrontation doesn't always have to be negative um it can be extremely productive and it can be extremely efficient and those same institutions after those conversations continue to throw me money right mm -hmm. to do to do this to do that to do the third and it's like all right cool i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the money i want to stay in contact with you i mean i'm the only brother in here so obviously nobody's holding y'all accountable yeah. i don't feel like that's my place but if i see some shit that's like you know shady that i don't agree with that i think could be better like i'm in a position where and i have an opportunity to say something you right. know and so like for me you know i'm i feel like a like a like a plant you know mm -hmm. what i mean like a like you know I, I i go into these spaces i stay connected with these folks and i'm trying to be the change you know what i mean sometimes they can't see it man because they they really don't understand yeah you know that's and, true. and so and so a lot of times um, I find myself like providing, you know, some insight or providing some direction or challenging something that someone is saying or, or attempting to do. And, and, you know, um, hopefully they'll, they'll be better for it. Hopefully I'll be better for it. I mean, I, I feel, I ain't gonna even lie, man, this, this last year, I feel extremely empowered, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, I, I can't think of a time ever in my creative life where I felt this empowered, you know? And, and so I, and I, I think that that's going to be my norm, regardless of whether the support continues or not, yeah. you know, like, um, now that I'm here, you know, I, all of this stuff just doesn't go away mm -hmm. because the the money dries up or the opportunity dries up the reason that i'm doing like a ted talk to begin with is because like i'm trying to make sure that like i hedge my bets you know i want to i want to go and take my artwork into the education arena yeah i want to take my artwork into the commercial uh sculpting arena i want to take my artwork into documentary you know arena and and so um I'm in a place where I'm doing these extremely uncomfortable things that I don't really have an acuity for, 
but because I know people like you and, you know, other people who like specialize in, in very specific things, you know, I can get advice. I can get support. I can get help, you know, like, um, I think that in order to stay successful, I mean, you, I can't be successful if you're not successful. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, exactly. I, I, I mean, like, like I can't, I mean, I think that we, we all need to have that basic understanding, like without each other, there's no way that any of us can, can really do it, man. You know? So I've, I've really enjoyed like the collaboration that has been taking place uh in the arts community man i collaborated with so many people this year mm -hmm. you know and, and 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 even to to this day you know uh, i'm still collaborating with so many people to help me realize these projects you know and you know whether i have the support uh and the fine the financial backing of the institutions you know i'm not gonna let that uh hinder the work um it's crazy though. I got this sketchbook, right? Yeah. And in the sketchbook, every piece that I've that I've conceptualized, I have it written down. And next to it, I have how the dollar amount of how much it'll cost, right? Mm. So I got like I got like pieces that'll take between ten and sixty thousand dollars to make, and I have pieces that will cost like five hundred dollars to two thousand dollars. Yeah. So. So what I'm doing is I'm looking for the money to fund these bigger projects, right? Well, because it's hot now, right? Yeah. The wave is is at its apex. So like, so like when the wave crashes, I can go back to my lower price point pieces that still will be beautiful, still will be, you know, Impactful on on topic, yeah. but but I'll be able to fund them myself. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I'm I'm just approaching it real strategically and 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 just trying to like um trying to really take advantage of the moment because I know what it's like to not have the moment. Ser yeah, so, seriously. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like I'm just I'm just trying to take advantage of it, man. I mean they're trying to take advantage of me too. So, you know. <laughs> it is a two-way street. A, it's it's a quid pro quo, yeah. you know. <laughs> no, nah, I think that you hit on a, on a bunch of really great things there. I want to offer another perspective too, because you were speaking on, because um, I, it's, I think it's essential that you are willing to be kind of that sole voice in these rooms full of non-black people to kind of um, uh, put your foot down and, and tell it like it is, and keep these these um, organizations and these arts spaces accountable. That is essential because, like, you know, to, you know, because without that, like they got nowhere to go and they have no idea like what to do. So that's essential. I also think like on the other, on the other side too, like we have to realize that like not everybody's made for that too. Like there are some people I think who are, who are capable of being in those, in those spaces, but don't feel like they have like the energy or um, the, they're just too fatigued to be able to even advocate for like an entire group. It's really, it's really, tough to be able to take on that responsibility for some folks and yeah. um uh and and there's like i don't think there's like any right way to do it because that's totally valid because of all the stuff that we were talking about before all this stuff that kind of builds um and sometimes it can be really challenging to bring that up to um a group that doesn't understand and may not be able to fully relate to how you have lived your life and stuff and so i think that um 
it's going to take like a collective effort. Maybe some, it'll be ebbs and flows of like some, some of us kind of being on the front lines saying, you know what, we're putting our foot down here so that others can rest. And so, cause I think we also need moments to rest too, where we're like, all right, yeah, I would, absolutely. we've been talking, you know, um, it's, it's a lot. We've been talking to circles for a minute. Let me step back. So somebody else can kind of come take place. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that we all, uh, we all have to just like interface with it, with, the larger, you know, issue, uh, just at portals that where we're comfortable with, you know, everybody's not going to be comfortable, you know, in these meetings and, and, and being the, the angry black dude, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and and that's like, it's like I typecast myself. I'm not angry. I mean, I'm just like real direct, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what, what you're saying is fucked up, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and what you're doing is, like shady yeah and and i don't understand how you know you can say that you know you're in support of black lives and and all of these things when you continue to profit off of black pain and misery Mm. you know and you use the moment to set yourself up financially you know right um so i mean that i mean my my work it just, I think that my work is so, uh, it's so specific and I had to get comfortable really quick, quickly sharing what, what these scenes were about that when I'm in a room like that, I don't even think about, you know, like I never think about what they think about me. Mm -hmm. I don't internalize their own. I don't internalize something that doesn't belong to me. You know what I mean? And I, I, I mean, I, I've done that before i've done that a, 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 for a, a pretty significant part of my life you know internalizing you know things that didn't belong to me things that weren't birthed from from my brain and and like i'm done with that yeah that's that's not happening no more you know so like so like i'm i'm perfectly comfortable doing that but you know some people might be more like okay let's look at the policies and let's uh let's try to you know, massage the policies to to be more equitable and inclusive. Or some people might be like ambitious and like like, yo, I I want to be a VP in this company so I can I can change the culture, you sure. know, yeah. or um or whatever that might look like. But we all got a part to play. You're right, man. Some of us, unfortunately, are still playing that stereotype role and reinforcing you know the stuff we're trying to move away from. But like, but you know, I guess, I guess that that's an important part too, because regardless of if they look like a stereotype, sound like a stereotype at the root of it, they're a person, bro. They're human with feelings and thoughts and people that they love and all of that. And, and, and because they represent something that you don't necessarily agree with, you know, doesn't make them less than, you know? Um, so I'm all over it, man. Like, I'm just, I'm just super, I'm just super motivated right now. And I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a place where, you know, my brain is on fire. I can't sleep at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, legit, like I cannot go to sleep at night. It'll be three o'clock in the morning. I keep my sketchbook next to my bed mm-hmm. because like, like all I think about is the work, man. Yeah. Like I finished a painting yesterday. I finished a painting yesterday. And, um, and I'm like, I said to myself, I need a photographer. 
you know, mm-hmm. I need a photographer. So I got called, the news called me, they wanted to do an interview. I, I went to do the interview, it was at the Taft, at the museum. And while I was there, the uh, one of the ladies, one of the kind of, I guess she was a big wig, I don't, I don't know what her position is, but, you know, I just asked her like, you know, who, who photographs the work here at the museum? And she gave me his name. And I'm like, you know, I went there for an interview, but that's not why I went there. I went there because I'm always thinking like that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like okay, they're going to use me for this, you know, interview and they want me to talk about this artist who isn't me, you know? And it's like, okay, I'm okay with doing that because like while I'm there, after he's done asking me questions, I got some questions I want to ask too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's a relationship. And, like, and so... And I got the name of the of the photographer. I'm gonna hit him up. I'm gonna see if he'll photograph my paintings. And then, like, I, I start the, I start the next one. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, so so you know, I see all of it as an opportunity to help myself. You know, where where I need it. You know, but I spend I spend so much time thinking about it, man. Like I start like I'm afraid. Like it's like gonna be like one of those a beautiful mind scenarios you ever <laughs> see that movie yeah. it was like a magician and then he just loses yeah. it right mm-hmm. and like i feel like my brain is like like that like all i see is images all i see is all is is narratives i mean i i can't help it man mm-hmm. I, I i mean i'm i, I just I just, I feel like I have work to last me for the next decade. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's great. Um, it's like, you're, that's, you're, you're, you're on the way to fulfilling your, you're fulfilling your purpose. That's what you're here yeah. to do. I mean, I'm, I told, I told someone the other day, I was, it's like, man, for real, I, I'm chasing my dreams, but on the best days I'm living them, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just like, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, nurture these relationships in Cincinnati outside of Cincinnati, like the whole Columbus connect yeah. and all of that. And, um, and, and just, you know, expand, you know, I don't want to be a local artist. That's, that's not my goal. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be like the most popular artist in Cincinnati or, you know, any of that stuff. Like I want to be, uh, uh, an international artists mm-hmm. you know i mean i have work in other countries i've sold work in other countries but not enough to really make me feel like i'm all the way there you know right. what i mean so so like my thing is you know get good at what you're good at do it where you live at exhaust all the spaces where you can do it at and then expand you know and so right now like um um, that's what I'm doing, yeah, you know, you're on the way, man. Uh, so, so do you have any, like, um, do you have any, like, at this is like advice for any, um, just like just black, black folks within the city who are trying to just like, like we're talking about, um, like you've kind of, you're finding your therapy through the work that you're able to produce. Um, like any sort of advice for like young black creatives, just young black people in general, or just black people as a whole, like within this navigating in, in this time in this city. Yeah. I, so like, I mean, we, we live in this time where we can't really chill. We can't really hang out. We can't link up. So 
that's another layer of stress. But like, I think if you're if you're a, a black creative, you know, you you already know what you're good at. Mm-hmm. You know, right? You you know what you're good at, and whatever it is that you're doing, can no one else can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I think that you know if if it's a matter of dealing with your feelings, processing your feelings, processing, you know, uh, you know, your thoughts about what's happening, or if it's just about, you know, getting busy and, and being more successful, like really like looking at what you do and trying to, trying to imagine every application for what you do possible. Right. Yeah. So like, so like if you, uh, if you, uh, uh, a baker, I mean, I'm just saying baker cause I can't think of anything else. My brain just went blank. But if you're a baker, it's like, okay, you can bake and you can you can make stuff and you can sell it, at, you know, at at the bakery or you can sell it at a farmer's market or whatever. But like, what if like you were like just like I bake and I'm good at baking. Let me like apply for a a, a residency, you know, to study under some master pastry yeah. chef or let me apply to like a baking show you know what i mean or let me uh let me what let me write a, a recipe book you know what i mean or or like what if i what if i made like bake bake kits and i made them available for people like you know like take what you do and try to imagine every application possible and then and then go for it. I mean, I don't know anything about half of the stuff I do. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? No, I feel, like, you. For real. I feel you. For real. I don't know nothing about photographs, like aperture and, you know, I don't even know any other words to, to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I was calling my set of uh, photographs from Black Box photo, um, chromiogenic, uh, chromiogenic prints and i realized that they was inkjet prints yeah. like i don't know what the hell i'm talking about you know what i'm saying but when it comes to the subject and the concept like i i, I got that in the bag so like so for me it's like okay you know i'm doing these paintings and my paintings are about you know this this multifaceted experience you know what what medium would best describe you know, this thought that I have, because I want to do this, but this wouldn't make a good, you know, monkey painting. So since it won't make a good monkey painting, how else can I do it? You know, okay, I could do music, I could do video, I could do screen printing, I can do photography. And so then when it comes to me, I have to reach out to someone who has that skill, like I have to be vulnerable. Yeah, you know, I have to say, yo, can you help me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't be proud. You know, and I think a lot of creatives, man, we 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 all have egos to a certain extent. And as my good friend calls it, hubris. Um, (laughs) But like but you have to know when to ask for help, too. You know what I'm saying? If if you're a baker, I'm going back to that analogy and you like, bro, I want to do I want to bake cookies, but I want to do an installation where I want to glue them all to the wall, like wallpaper and and put it in the contemporary art center. Right. Mm -hmm. Well. You're going to have to ask somebody for help to help you mix all those ingredients and to help you bake all that stuff and to help you organize it. And to how and, and you got to you got to work with somebody that understands how to mount these things without crumbling the cookies exactly. and whatever. Like, yeah. So like 
so so that would be my advice man you know just just walking it out i walk out everything 10 steps until it fails in my head mm -hmm. you know what i mean like in my paintings i don't i paint on my paintings probably between 10 and 20 hours a week like physically paint but in my head i'm painting on them every day all day and 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 i have to start over because i mess them up in my head all the time and then when i get it right in my head i go to my painting and i execute exactly what happened in my head you know like it's like it's a crazy it's a crazy process for me but but i feel like we you know the other thing here's the other thing corona is like the best thing that could have happened for a creative you know um you know it sucks that we can't have like physical exhibitions and go and see some of this stuff but man what i've what i've done so so i want to i want to be kind of you know in this big like kind of like art uh space and you know with the the momas and the whitney's and gagosians and all of this stuff right and how the hell do i do it i don't i didn't i didn't graduate from yale i don't have a a pipeline right. to the art world i don't i don't have any connections or any people who know those people and all of that but you know what they do virtual talks all the time that's true now. yeah everybody true. so what so people that you never had access to curators artists if, if you're a film person filmmakers if you're a baker baker everybody's doing virtual everything find out who it is that you want to be connected with or who you want to see, right? Who you want to, who, who you want to rub elbows with, mm -hmm. hop in those virtual, hop in those virtuals and drop comments, be part of the conversation. The more you do it, the more they see your name, the more they remember you, the more interest they develop uh, around who you are because they see that you there, you present. Right. And they want to know like, who is this person asking these these questions who is this person you know um making these comments i mean and the more you do that the the more you start to form relationships with people who were previously out of reach mm -hmm. and and i and i think that for me that has been one of the game changers bro i mean i, I mean for real like it's been one of the, it's been one of the game changers I feel, for me yeah i mean like access is there now like there's no excuse everybody is yeah. is online and you ain't got to go nowhere yeah. to to do that so yeah. i think that yeah exhaust your resources you said it a couple of times and I, i'm, I'm yeah. with it um yeah but thank you man I, I appreciate it i think that like we covered a lot today and i appreciated your time um before we officially go um i usually ask for recommendations but i'm gonna ask specifically you were in like the hip-hop game so what 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 are you listening to like what do you listen to like while you're working what do you listen to to kind of get through through some tough times what's up <laughs> It's funny, man. Like I listen to, I listen to everything. You know what I mean. So like, so it it's crazy. Uh, so I, so Spotify has like a, they have a list that they put out of like unheard artists. It's like, oh, we curated a list just for you, right? And the I algorithm did it or something. And, and and I and I don't like half of it, but like some of the artists that I like. You know, I listen to their whole projects and, uh, you know, and, and I, because I, I'm one of those people, I have to listen to a, a whole album before I decide if I like you or not. Oh, I so, do the same thing. Yeah. 
yeah so i got this queue of albums that i just go through i sift through them like it's like crate digging except it's digital mm -hmm. right and then i and then when the song is dope i got these playlists right i got i got like the instant party playlist which is like you know i only play when i'm like hanging around black people mm -hmm. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. i got i got like the soft party playlist which i play when like this white people around you know what i mean and and then like i got a funk list i got a i got a i got a playlist that's just got like straight every song's got piano loops i got a uh a playlist that's just got like horns i got uh i got a crunk list i got a i got a list specifically for painting that like spans like the decades that just like takes you on journeys in each song so that like you change up your pace, your brush strokes, your whatever, like the music kind of influences how you approach and how aggressive you are with the painting. I got a coronavirus playlist that mm -hmm. I made like that, like uh, with music that got me through uh, quarantine, you know what I mean? And and so like, I got a, I got a, a playlist called Neo that's just got like, like R&B, but not like stereotypical, like songs everybody know, like, 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 like new school R&B and like neo soul and like, you know, so, so I got playlists and I just keep adding to them. I don't delete them. I, I just keep adding to them. I've been adding to them for years, man. So like I could oh, play go. the soft playlist and it'll play for 12 hours Jeez. on random. You yeah. know I mean? And like, and it's, and it's dope. So like, um, so when I listen to, when I listen to music, I listen to everything. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to hip hop, though, like, <laughs> man, I, I, there's a lot of albums that came out uh, last year uh, that I thought were were good. There were some that came out that I didn't think were were that great, but um, but I listen to it all, man. You know what I mean? I, um, I really, I really do. I don't have any favorite artists. I don't have any. I think maybe my favorite genre might be like funk, you know, I love, I love funk or, uh, hip hop. I grew up hip hop. So like, that's like the soundtrack to my life. I mean, I don't know. I can't say that's my favorite genre because like I am hip hop. Right. You know what I'm right. Right. Yeah. Like, I freestyle every day. You know what I mean? Like while I'm, while I'm painting, while I'm driving, I mean, I can't help myself. It's like, I got hip hop to rest. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Like, like I'll be, I'll be chilling and then I'll just bust out and like, rhyme schemes and like people just look at me like yo like mm -hmm. you okay yeah i'm like and i'm like yeah i'm good it's just my tourette's acting up, <laughs> you know what I'm i ain't take my medicine today it's ingrained in you but, that's real yeah man. but but ironically though even though i'm on like all the streaming platforms i i rarely listen to my my own music i mean because you know it was made so long ago and um uh, and you know I spent a lot of time listening to it, but so, you know, that's like directors I, I just, not wanting to watch their own movies. It's, it's the same thing. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, after you put all that time into it and you, you give it a good, good glance and you, you play it back a few times. It's like, all right, you all get right, it. I'm cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm, I, uh, I, I think that my, my, my faith in hip hop, uh, it's, it's, it's just a different time, you know what I mean. <laughs> that's I mean, that's very I mean, uh, golf, diplomatic. <laughs> I just I I don't I don't dislike it, 
you know, I mean, I mean especially the production on the production side. Mm -hmm. uh, I do feel like, um, you know, and this is this is me getting back on my work kick. You know, I do feel like they they the record companies use, you know, financially naive uh, young black males to perpetuate these negative stereotypes you know and and what they say what they what who what they look like and you know all of the kind of intentional marketing that happen happens in the rap videos that encourages uh other young black males and black women to uh to seek out those lifestyles and and spend their collective wealth on this material stuff and um and adopt some of the mindset you know that that I hear and I see in the music. So I feel like in a lot of ways, like the hip hop I consume, I'm like eating around the poison because like, I mean, I'm old enough where I'm not going to be influenced by a 17 year old rapper yeah. telling me to drop out of school and the pops and pills and the, you know, you know, get a girlfriend who got a girlfriend and tattoo my face and all of this, all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. But, but you know, I, I work with young people that age, um, you know, I, I didn't even talk about that, but I got a whole nonprofit man called Pieces with my partner, Brent, where we um, we work with uh, adolescent teenagers, man. And we and we deal with the fallout of that that culture, that part of the culture, you know, the mental health and behavioral health uh, re repercussions of of being about that life, you know, and we use like a dialectical behavioral therapeutic treatment model to address it, but we use art as the engagement tool, mm. you know? So like, you know, I don't just talk about it in the work, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, I'm, I be about it in real life too. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm working with these young people to, to deal, to help them navigate some of these, uh, environmental and societal pitfalls that exist for them, you know, that's set up for them to, to ensnare them. And, uh, and, you know, it's my life works, man. It's my life's work. It's full, it's full circle. It's all encompassing. You know what I mean? Um, and so I couldn't really imagine a better space to, to be. Yeah. Not well, I mean, like I said before, like it's, it's all great work on all fronts, whether it's the art, whether it's, I mean, it's social work. You're, you're out here. Yeah. You're out here with the people. You're doing work that's gonna help uh, liberate a lot of a lot of folks. And I appreciate yeah. it. And um, yeah, just happy to see happy to see you continue to grow. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Here's here's the more growth in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yo, shout out to Michael, man. Appreciate that time for real. Really insightful. Really generous. That was just all around cool. We talked about it a little bit in the episode, but my man is moving, so he will not be hard to find. Uh, like I said earlier, you can see some of his work on his website, uh, michaelcopage.com. That's C-O-P-P-A-G-E. And you can follow him on IG. Uh, he's Prosper underscore Jones. I want to give a shout out to the snow. <laughs> We're in uh, late January here in Ohio, and we finally got our first layer of snow. And now it's not cold for no reason anymore. We actually have something to look at. So I appreciate that. 
Shout out to Anchor as always for sponsoring this episode. I actually got a couple requests from you guys asking questions about the app, which means you guys are using it. Keep it up. And I want to give a special shout out to you guys as always, just for listening and supporting. If you learned something today or heard something that was interesting in this episode, just share with your friends. I really would appreciate that. Suggestions are always welcome. If you want to be on the podcast or someone you know uh, you think it would be interesting to hear on the podcast, reach out to me. You can follow me on IG um, at SavvyOso underscore, or you can do the podcast at Tim's Pod. Um, you can also email me at whatsupasa at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-S-U-P-A-S-A at gmail. I look forward to sharing another episode with you guys here soon. Um, so I think that's it. But before I go, I just want to remind you that none of us have any idea what we're doing. We just become better actors. And with that, I pray that y'all stay safe. Peace.